All right, so you know, I only tell bad jokes, dad jokes, I'm sorry, they're not bad, they're dad jokes on holidays. And as we all know, today is um, National Velociraptor Awareness Day. Um, Didn't know if, yeah, very, very famous holiday today. Yeah, and and so why do museums have old dinosaur bones? Because they can't afford new ones. Yeah, I know. Why can't the T-Rex clap his hands? Because he's extinct. <laughs> I know. And did you know you, you can't hear the pterodactyl go to the bathroom because the pee is silent? <laughs> yes, there's a silent pee in pterodactyl, yes. And you guys keep coming back for this. That's the part. I'm like... Surely one of these days I'm going to get like a, I said, I'm out of here. Your joke's terrible. So <laughs> this morning I want to talk to you about this idea um, about seeking happiness and hiding from pain. Seeking happiness and, and hiding from pain. The title of my message today is going to be called this. It's going to be Broken into Beautiful. Broken into Beautiful. And, and so as a kid, we used to play hide and seek. Right? As a, I don't know, we, my kids still, used to, still play it recently. Our house, they've gotten bigger, and the house probably doesn't have as many hiding spaces for them because they're now 11 and 13. But when they were small, they could like climb into a cabinet or, or into some little nook or cranny in the house, and now they're big enough they can't do it. But if you're going to play hide-and-seek, there's a couple of things. You've got to have people that hide, and you've got to have someone that seeks. You've got to have both, right? You can't do it without, without, without the other. If you just have hiders, that's no fun. And if you just have seeking, well, that's no fun. You see, most people do this in life, though. We hide some things and we seek others. We seek happiness. But on the other hand, most people hide from sadness. And and this morning, I want to talk about how pain and sadness are emotions that everybody has to deal with. And, And these are the kinds of emotions that if you don't deal with these emotions, these emotions will deal with you. And there's one thing I can tell for every person that's in this building and every person who's watching online, and whether it's live or even later, I know this, you have dealt with pain and sadness in your life. Every person has. You have in the past. You may be dealing with it today. And guess what? We're all going to deal with it in the future. It's something that is a reality of life. That's something that we have to deal with. In some cases, it's extreme. It's traumatic. Sometimes there's, there's incidences individually that shape us for the rest of our lives because, because they were so impactful and so traumatic. But I, I want to tell you that, that, that what I want to talk about today is the everyday continual type stuff. Because when it's big and impactful and traumatic, everybody says, oh yeah, I got to process this, right? Because it's obvious that this needs a little bit of processing. But what about the little things? that kind of slowly build up over time. The little pain, the little struggles, that we just like stuff it deep down inside and we're like, we're never gonna let this emotion out. And it's, you know, because if I stuff it down hard enough, it'll never come out, which is not the case. But there's little realities in life that can cause pain that builds up. And how do you process that? Because I think the Bible has a lot to say about it. What about breakups? Maybe family feuds? Maybe a friend drama, maybe have troubles at home, fights with the spouse, something with the kids. Maybe at work, the boss is a jerk. Maybe a sickness or difficult teachers or maybe you have stress or, or failure or, or low self-esteem. 
I mean, I, I could really go on and on. Like, there's so many little things in life that we all have to deal with on a regular basis. So, let's just take a deep breath. Relax. Because <sighs> we're going to talk about this stuff. Life provides some great things and some painful things. And life can be like a roller coaster. You have a great week and then a not great week. Or maybe you have one of those up and down roller coasters that's crazy and you have hours that are good and then hours that are bad. And I know you're like, man, tell me something I don't know. I come to church to get encouraged. Preacher man, you're bringing me down. Here's the thing is how do you process the pain in a healthy way? How do you process the pain in a healthy way? Because a, a lot of things that we use to deal with pain are the very things that actually create more pain. Our response to pain will often cause more pain. We try to numb the pain. Maybe you try to self-medicate with something. I mean, let's be honest. If it isn't you, you've seen it at least. Maybe, maybe drinking a little bit too much to help numb the pain. Or, or maybe you find something else to keep you busy. Or, or you find something that you need to do. The weekend is a way to escape the pain. Waiting for Friday and Saturday night to go do something. To go get a detached. Some people try to deal with their pain by hurting themselves. We see it in young people all the time. Next generation, they, they hurt themselves. Why? Sometimes it's because that's the only pain they can control. And so it's something that they like, I can at least control this pain. Some people try to find something else. Maybe they just binge watch TV they, or they play video games or we're just stuck on our phone scrolling through the reels of everything that's on Instagram or TikTok or whatever because it goes on forever. And it's five seconds of ha ha flip, ha ha flip forever. And we can escape reality and we can get lost in this little device. Maybe you're a workaholic, always working, always working, just so you can stay busy. Whatever it takes, it does not have to engage with the reality of what we're going through. You see, the issue with most ways of coping with pain is that you don't really end up dealing with it because you end up hiding it, covering it. You end up stashing it away, thinking that if I don't see it immediately, then it's gone, but it's not gone. It's lying beneath the surface. And you can look good on the outside, but on the inside, you know that there's a little bit of something that isn't right. You see, the issue with most ways that people cope with pain is that they don't really end up dealing with it. They're just hiding it. They're covering it. They're, they're shoving it into a corner. Let's just pretend that didn't happen. The deeper issue with pain is that when we run from it, we usually make things worse. And this is important because our response to pain often causes more pain. And I think the reason that we deny and run from it and try to cover it up, try to medicate it, is that we aren't sure what else to do with it. Is there a right way to deal with it? Is it even possible? What does it even mean? What does it look like? So Peter is writing, we're going to be in, sorry, in 1 Peter chapter 5. And, and in here, the author is writing 1 Peter chapter 5. And he's writing to some Christ followers. He's writing to a church. He's writing to a group of, of believers. And they're in an environment where um, Christianity is not an accepted thing. It's, it's absolutely um, rejected. It's marginalized. And, and they're being persecuted, harassed, arrested, beaten, rejected, imprisoned. Some of them even killed and murdered because of their faith. 
So they're dealing with just a little bit of pain, just a little bit of sadness because they've been persecuted. They're seeing loved ones persecuted. People that they love have been lost because of the faith that they are professing. So in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him. Say all your anxieties. How many of you guys know the anxiety is what turns in to the pain? The anxiety and the, the unsettledness and, the, and, and everything that you're struggling with. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering, suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. It's saying cast your anxieties on him because the devil is prowling around. It's almost as if he's clearly saying that, that the anxieties and the pains that you're dealing with is something that the enemy can use to take you out. It's something that he can use to tear you down. He's something that he can use to derail you, to get you off of the track. He's saying, no, 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 humble yourself, submit to God. The anxieties and the attack of the enemy are related and you're dealing with this warfare. It's a spiritual warfare that come, sometimes comes across as an emotional experience. And, and there's this back and forth that's going on. And, and in verse 10, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter starts by establishing this, that anxiety and hardship and, and pain is part of life. You're going to deal with it. Others are dealing with it. We're all going to have to go through it. And the temptation is just to ignore it, to stuff it, to get rid of it, try to hide the pain. But all it does is mask the real damage that's happening underneath the surface. We can look nice and shiny on the outside, but the inside is full of problems. I saw this story online about this house. A house flipper had come in and bought this house. It was a repossessed house and, and had done the whole thing. So you walk in and it looked shiny and new. And then the, 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 it was beautiful. And then the people bought the house and then they, they moved in and they started to do a little bit of work in the kitchen and they uncovered some things that they had to deal with. And actually we have a video. I'm gonna play this little clip for you now. When Shelly and David Hopaw bought this Sonoya house in May, it looked like this. The listing gushed with attractive details. This beautiful home has just been renovated. Brand new paint, new floors, new fixtures, new countertops. Then David decided to replace the kitchen cabinets because they were too dark for Shelly. That decision would reveal the truth. When my husband took it off, it just was hideous. It was terrible. Mold hidden by a piece of plywood stained to match the cabinets. Then... During the process of taking the cabinets out, the linoleum ripped. So they decided to replace the kitchen floor. More mold underneath. And it smelled... Wet. Um, just like something had died in, in our house. I mean, it was just bad. And it just kept getting stronger and stronger. They tore off some of the drywall, more mold, and then this. Oh yeah, look at all that termite damage here. Good grief. 
And this is wet too, at least it was. So this is a brand new screw that they put into a piece of two by four that clearly should have been replaced because of termite damage. The Fox 5i team talked to the head of the company that provides water service to this neighborhood. He confirmed the previous owner had repeated water pipe leaks throughout the house before the bank ultimately foreclosed. When Shelly and David oh, Hopoff bought this Sonoya house in May, it looked like That this. looks expensive, doesn't it? Isn't it like everybody's like got anxiety now. They're like, I want to buy a house. But then you see these news stories like that, and you're like, oh, my gosh. What kind of, like, that, that looks like expensive. Like, what, what, did you just bulldoze the house down? I mean, what, how, how much is this going to cost? Like, you know, it looked beautiful on the outside, on the surface, everything looked good. But on the inside, there was some deterioration. On the inside, there were some things that were wrong. There on the inside, there were some things that caused some structural um, integrity issues inside of the home. It's funny, in Luke, it says, count the cost before you build. <laughs> you know, it says, count the cost before you build. And you're going to build something, you should put together a budget for something before you start to work on it. I don't even know how you could count the cost on how to recover from that damage. You know what I mean? Like, like how do you even know? Like, well, the... We have to actually start ripping the house apart to find all of the damage that's hidden in order. I mean, you'd have to strip the whole things down to the studs. You'd have to do such a major renovation on this house in order to try to figure it out. The only way to deal with that problem is to deal with it head on. But just like our house, that house, our pain needs to be dealt with head on. We can cover it up. We can put new paint on it. We can do new countertops. We can, we can do all the pretty things and we can show up with a smile on our face. And it's so easy to do on Sundays too, isn't it? Like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, brother. Bless the Lord, you know? And, and we, can, we can put on our church smile and, and, and we can, and, and, and deep down we know there's something we're struggling with. And, and here's, here's the truth. You're not gonna walk in and, and in this environment be like, let's dump all of my pain out on the floor for everyone to see. That wouldn't be a healthy way to deal with it either, would it? You know, there's a healthy way to deal with the pain, but we're all wrestling with it on some level. But just like this house, it'll only grow if it stays hidden. The mold will keep growing. Those termites are still gonna keep eating. Everything's gonna keep deteriorating in that house until it gets exposed and fixed. Our pain's the same way. It's got to be exposed. It's got to be repaired. It's got to be fixed. It's got to be dealt with. You see, when these builders on these shows like HGTV, those, those shows are fun, aren't they? They flip this house, whatever they do, you know, and they have a budget and they always go over because every time they uncover a wall, they're like, oh, wow, there's a pipe here, you know, now we got to redo everything, you know, and it's like, man, I never want to remodel a house ever in my life. What they do is they kind of gut them. They rip them down to the walls. They, they pull open the panels, the stuff that things are hiding inside of. And then the craziest thing about all these remodel shows is they make the home beautiful at the end. They make the home beautiful at the end. They don't start over. They don't bulldoze the house. They don't tear it out. They don't get rid of it all. They, they don't just dispose of it. They fix it. They fix it. I want to tell you today that Jesus can turn something broken into something beautiful. And you might feel broken on the inside, and you might feel like there's something that isn't quite right in there, but Jesus wants to reveal it, and he wants to heal it. 
He wants to expose it, not to shame you, not to anything. The only reason Jesus wants to expose the pain that's in your life is that he wants to bring his touch and his healing to it. He wants to bring a miracle into your life. Sometimes something happens and and your pain gets exposed and our instant reaction is let's cover that back up again. But no, actually, I really believe that when something gets exposed, when you take it to Jesus, he wants to heal it. He wants to bring you freedom from this thing that's been, been, been harassing you all of your life. He wants to bring healing to where you're at. You see, Jesus can take your pain and turn it into something valuable. He doesn't just want to fix what's broken. He wants to use the broken parts to build something even better, something new. So how do you respond to pain? I got three steps, three simple steps to responding to pain without causing more pain. How do we get to the restoration part? That's the part I want to see. The amazing thing on these home remodel shows is that how much work they can get done in 30 minutes. They don't tell you how long it actually takes. I'm in the middle of a construction project thing at my house, and um, it was last April that we decided to do it. It was last April that we wrote the deposit check, and, um, and then the guy's gone. I don't know. The contractor's gone, right? So I counted the cost. I wrote a deposit check. The project got started, and then he's, he's gone. He's MIA. It's not going to happen. So, so talk about counting the cost, Right? Well, that cost is out the window because I've now had to hire a new contractor to come in and finish the project that is still not done. We were hoping that maybe this May or June it might be done. They do that in a 30-minute TV show. <laughs> I want that contractor. That's what I want. That's what I want. So here we go. Three steps. Number one, stop. Stop. When you feel the pain and you do whatever it is that you want to do to help numb the pain, just stop. Just stop. Not every self-medication that you use to numb the pain is a bad thing, right? Now, if you're drinking yourself into complete, like, pass-out mode, that is not okay, right? That is, you've, we've got a problem here. We've got to deal with that as well. But, but, but not everything that you do in it of its own is individually a problem. But sometimes we do things to help numb the pain and, pass, and, and try to get out of the feeling. So just stop. When you feel it, just stop. Step one, just stop. For some of you, it's when you fight with your spouse or a family member and you just want to hide. Those feelings of retreat, the feelings of escape, just stop, just stop, just stop. Internally, you got to just pause. For someone, it's like maybe a failing grade in school or, or a boss yelling at you and you feel like a failure. Whatever it is that starts to trigger it. For some, it's when you're maybe... Maybe when your brother or, or somebody else, like a sister or, or somebody says something that makes you feel inferior. Or maybe when you don't measure up, you don't feel cool enough, athletic enough, attractive enough, smart enough, when you don't feel enough, this will be a good time to just stop. And you need to have people in your life that you can have accountability with. This is why small groups are so important. This is why, this is why it is. The church is not me and Jesus, it's we and Jesus. And we do life together. And this is why small groups matter. This is why you have to have these kinds of relationships. You have got to develop relationships with somebody where you can go, hey, I'm struggling with this. 
And, and it's a safe place that you can go. You're not airing your stuff everywhere that you go. You've got somebody that you can, as an accountability person, you can go, I'm struggling with this and I'm, I'm feeling triggered. You can call, I'm feeling triggered, help me. Just get some accountability. Get someone to pray with you, to stand with you, to, to encourage you. Someone who's like a brother or sister in Christ and, and tell them how you're feeling and you can get to a better place on the other side of your pain. So rather than self-medicating it, you just gotta stop and, and, and make that call. Number two is invite. And it's natural to want to escape from the pain. Did you know that, that you can escape to Jesus? That, that is the place where you can escape to. Jesus has this thing with trust. You can trust him and, 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 and he can, he's reliable and he's, he's not going to abandon you or leave you. He just, he's not. You can trust him with your pain and your hurt and your sadness, even your annoyances. Even if it's your little brother or your little sister, you can take it to him. He's big enough to handle your honesty. He is. So you, you can say things to God that to, when you're in prayer, you can say things that are honest because he can handle it. He's bigger than you. He's bigger than me. Your earthly father may or may not have been able to handle this, but your heavenly father can. He's big enough to handle it. When, when you can say things like, like, God, whenever I fight with my spouse or whenever this is going on, I just feel so inferior. Oh man, God, I just screwed this thing up again at work and I feel so stupid or, or, or I failed this class and ah, I just feel so dumb and, and God, help me, help me. You know, you can, you can take things to him in your raw, honest, emotional self and, and he's going to embrace you and love you and surround you it's the one place that you can go every single time and without fail, he will meet you where you're at. God, help. I don't know what to do, but I'm asking for your help. The simplest prayers are oftentimes the best ones, the most heartfelt ones, the ones that are the most honest. Number three is this, is replace. I, I actually try to look for verses to help me. To that counteract the negative thoughts and the negative feelings and the emotions that I'm starting to feel. Just because you feel it doesn't mean it's real. Just because you feel it doesn't mean it's real. Just because somebody said something offensive doesn't mean you have to be offended. You know what I mean? Like somebody might say something and what they said is offensive and, and they probably shouldn't be saying these things, but you don't have to own it. Just because they laid that trap for you doesn't mean you have to pick it up. Just because they said it doesn't mean you have to receive it. You can reject it. You can say, no, I'm choosing to not believe that. I'm choosing not to receive that. That can go right back to the pit of hell where it came from. And the enemy, you're trying to trick me into this thing. Like we talked earlier, the spiritual war that's happening. No, I'm not going to fall for this one. And you got to replace it though. In this verse, the day it said, after you suffered a while, he will restore support and strengthen you. You will place you on a firm foundation. You might have some real pain that you're dealing with, but maybe it's something as the thoughts come in, you even maybe take this verse and, and say, you know what? I'm believing God that you will restore support and strengthen me. And you're going to place me on a firm foundation. God, I, I'm leaning into you for my solution. I'm not going to lean into these thoughts and these feelings, the accusations, the phrases, what people are speaking over me. I'm going to go no and say, God, I, I put my faith in you and what you've said over me. And you might find some other ones. Psalms has a whole bunch. I grabbed just a couple. In Psalms 34, 17, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears. 
God, I'm, I'm, I'm crying out for help. He delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. When you are brokenhearted and you are crushed, when you are dealing with everything that life is throwing at you, he's near to you. He wants to be your savior. He wants you to rely on him. Psalms 37, the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. And in Psalms 107, it says, they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. I'm going to wrap up. So if the pianist or keyboardist wanted to come, we could start to close out the service. So what if every time you felt pain, you looked at that verse and remembered that God offers strength and support? Every time you feel the, the, the rejection, every time you feel the inferiority, every time you start to feel stupid or every time you start to have these, these, these painful experiences start to resurface, every time if, if, if you're able to lean on him, you see, Jesus can turn something broken into something beautiful. He can turn something broken into something beautiful. You see, stop, invite, and replace. I know I said it's three steps, but it's kind of one. It can be a moment. It can be a prayer where you change your perspective on the pain. And church, here's the good news. <laughs> the damage from your pain might look like it's expensive to repair. You might look inside of your own heart and see the walls that we saw inside of that video. And you see, oh, I've got a lot, a lot of work to do. Instead of turning over my pain, I've been stuffing it for years, decades. I've been, I've been and the pain now has now infected every area of me. I, I find myself lashing out emotionally on people and I'm like, why did that trigger me? I don't even know. It's because you've got this stuff on the inside that's trying to work its way out. It looks expensive to repair. It looks like, like, like man, I don't know how much this is gonna cost me to try to fix this. But here's what I do know, that Jesus counted the cost and he paid the price. See, when he went to the cross on Calvary, he took on sin. He took on the world's sin and the, and, and the pain. He actually went against death and he won. He replaced it with righteousness and health and life. The Bible says that Jesus never leaves you or forsakes you. And if you stick with him and you ride with him, even though he knows the cost and he's already paid the price and he wants to come and bring you freedom and deliverance from the pain that you've been managing and trying to deal with all of your life. He wants to bring that to you. The Bible has no guarantee of a pain-free life. It only guarantees that he won't leave you or forsake you, that he will deliver you from the storms. He may be around them or maybe through them, but he's gonna be there with you and get you through to the other side. So Jesus paid the price. We've been doing this thing now for a few years. We started a while back and we, and we say, this is the ABCs of following Jesus. Now you admit that you need a savior. You, you, you believe that Jesus is the son of God and that he paid this price for you. And then you confess him as the Lord and the savior of your life. And, and, and it's something that, that I, we've been doing on Sundays now for I think three or four years. And, and can I be honest with what, I want to be honest with you about what triggered it. it is, is there was a moment a few years back where somebody um, 
after service talked to another church member and said, yeah, I think I need to get my heart right with God. And the person was like, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, you should go talk to Pastor Matt. I think he could help you. And I thought, wow, do we not know how to lead someone to Christ as, as a community of believers? Do we not know how to help direct people too? And so I started doing this thing every week, A, B, C, A, B, C, A, B, C. Admit, believe, confess. And we run this over and over and over again. And so here's what it is. When someone leans over to you and says, I think I need to get my heart right with God, you can now say, you know what? I know what to do. I'm gonna lead you in this prayer. It's admit, believe, and then confess him as the Lord of your life. That, that's the simplest step that you start to take in making a direction change to following Jesus. So here's where we're at in the service. We're gonna, I'm gonna flip this a little and we're gonna make a change. And this is what we're gonna do is that if, if, you, if you're in a place, you may be watching online and you need to get your heart right with God, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer before we do that. If someone brought you to church or, or if you're sitting next to someone watching online, you can turn to that person and say, I need to get my heart right with Jesus. I need to get my heart right with God. And this person that's sitting next to you will be able to pray with you and say the ABC prayer. And so even right now, if you're, that's where you're at, you don't have to tell me. You can if you want to. In fact, I'd love you did. But, but you can turn the person next and say, you know what? I need to get right with Jesus. And then you just pray a prayer as simple as this. And this is what it looks like. It's like, dear Jesus, I admit that I need you. I need a savior. I believe, B, I believe that you, Jesus, are the son of God and that you died on the cross and paid the price for my sin. And I confess you as the Lord and the savior of my life. And if you're making that prayer today, this is what it looks like. Is It's not just a moment on your journey. It's a shift in direction where now Jesus is the Lord and the Savior. You say, no, no, I've been doing it my way. I've been driving the car. I've been on the throne. I've been the decision maker. But today I'm saying I'm relinquishing that and saying, no, Jesus, you're the decision maker. I'm following you. You're driving my life. It doesn't matter how small or big the pain is in your life. God cares about it and he cares about you. He's there for you in the midst of major tragedy and even in the midst of minor frustrations. And we make the decisions to address it instead of medicating it. I think you'll be surprised to find out what kind of person that you are becoming as Christ is shaping and guiding your life. And remember that no matter how strong the pain feels, there's a God who promises to make you stronger because Jesus can turn something broken into something beautiful. I wanna pray over you, bow your heads. Heavenly Father, today we turn our lives over to you, maybe for the first time, or maybe we've been followers of you for all of our life or for years or decades. But today, God, we turn our life over to you and say, God, even the pain, even the ugliness that's on the inside of our walls, God, we turn that over to you. God, we have brokenness in our life. And God, we say, we turn this to you, God, and can you make something beautiful out of the pain that I've gone through? Can you make something beautiful out of the tragedy I've gone through? God, can you make something beautiful out of the messes that, that I've seen in my life? God, I can't fix it, only you can. God, I believe that you've paid the price. God, I believe that, that, you, have, that you have already won the battle. You've already won the victory. And God, you're gonna help lead me into that. So God, I pray over everyone that's here today or online. God, I just ask right now, God, let, let, let their brokenness be turned into something beautiful because of you and what you've done. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Church, it's been a good Sunday. Thank you for being here. 
and I can't wait to see you next week.